We're continuing. This is week three of our series, Jesus Is. And uh, remember, the purpose of this series is really just to get to know Jesus a little better. Because uh, the better we know him, the better we understand him, the easier it is to relate to him. The easier it is to walk in relationship with him. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? How would you describe Jesus? If, if, I, if I asked you to fill in the blank, Jesus is, how would you fill in the blank? You know, well, we would have different descriptions, but it, it really depends on your personal relationship or your experience with Jesus would be how you would fill in the blank. You know, for a long time, I would, I would have never described Jesus as Savior because I didn't know him as Savior. How many of you can relate to that? How many of you can grab a hold of what I'm talking about? Jesus is Savior. I mean, I experienced that, and now I know Jesus is Savior. Amen? But in Matthew chapter, or not Matthew, but Mark chapter 8, verse 27, Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to villages near Caesarea of Philippi. And as they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say that I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some others... um, Others say, you are one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter replied, you are the Messiah. Now, throughout history, there's always been a difference in opinion about who Jesus is, just as there is today, right? We saw that in week one. Some saw Jesus simply as a religious leader. Others saw him as the Messiah. And it's the same today, isn't it? That some see Jesus as just as a moral teacher, a religious leader. And some people see him as Savior, as Messiah, as Christ, the Son of the living God. And as, we, as we've been saying that, you know, many have a skewed vision or skewed idea of who Jesus is, which limits their ability, limits their relationship with Jesus, and limits their ability to receive from Jesus. The more we understand about Jesus, the more we can receive Jesus, and the easier it is to walk in relationship with Jesus. For instance, if your idea of Jesus is that he's this mean, grumpy God that looks over the earth waiting for just somebody to mess up so he can thump them over the head, it'll be hard for you to love Jesus. You'll tend to want to hide from Jesus. Stay a distant from Jesus. Isn't that right? But if you understand that Jesus came and died, sacrificed his very own life to redeem mankind, that'll help you to walk in relationship with Jesus right there. Amen? Are y'all tracking with me? Now, the scripture teaches us that Jesus was way more than a religious leader or a moral teacher. In week one, we learned that Jesus is God. Matthew one twenty three. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. John 14, 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? So Jesus was declaring that God the Father and God the Son are inseparable. They're one. And so when we see God, we see Jesus. When we see Jesus, we see God. Amen? So according to Scripture, Jesus is God incarnate. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is God with us. Amen? 
In week two, we learn that Jesus is Savior. In Matthew 121, says, And she will have a son, speaking of Mary, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In 1 John 4, 14, says, Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. So Jesus was more than a religious figure. Jesus is God. Jesus is Savior. Now, we see evidence of the deity of Jesus on many occasions. As you read the Gospels, you can see the deity of Jesus, right? You remember that time where he was with the disciples? We looked, we talked about that. And, and uh, they're in the storm, the disciples and Jesus, they're in a boat. And, and, and the storm hits the, hits the lake. And all of a sudden, they think they're going to drown. Jesus is sleeping in the boat. They wake him up. And he gets up and he speaks to the winds and he waves. And he says, hush, be still. Remember that? And the disciples were amazed by that. In Matthew 8, 27, the disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. In Matthew 15, 30, a vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others. They laid him before Jesus, and he healed them all. The crowd was amazed. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking. The crippled were made well. The lame were walking and the blind could see and they praise the God of Israel. How many of you know that Jesus isn't some ordinary man? Jesus is 100% God. He is 100% Savior. He is King of Kings and he is Lord of Lords. Amen. We have a short video that just kind of helps uh, just explain and make the point more clear that Jesus is more than a carpenter. Jesus. Who is Jesus? That's the question. That's the question. Was he a real person? What did he say? What did he do? What made him so special? What made him different than any other man in history? The records show his birth was a miracle. His mom was a virgin and she was pregnant. He made the blind see. The deaf hear. The mute speak. The paralyzed walk. He healed terrible diseases. He knew what was in men's minds. He knew what was in men's hearts. He knows what is in men's hearts. He knew the story of people's lives without ever having met them. He spoke with authority. He amazed teachers. He amazed everyone. Nature obeyed him. He turned water into wine. He walked on water. He walked on top of the water. He could change the weather. He fed 5,000 people from one lunchbox. He brought people who were dead back to life. He loved sinners. He loved everyone. 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 He forgave sins. He never made a mistake. He never once sinned. But we judged him. We whipped and beat him. We spit on him. We killed him. He loved us anyway. He loves us anyway. 
He died for us. He died so that we wouldn't have to. He paid for our sins with his life. Did I mention he loves us? He came back to life. He was dead. Then he was alive. A lot of people saw him. He is coming back. Who is Jesus? That's a big question. That's the big question. What does it even matter? What does it matter to you? Who is Jesus? My answer doesn't matter to you. Only your answer matters to you. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? Who is Jesus? My answer doesn't matter to you. Who is Jesus to you? That's what matters, right? Who do you say that I am? That's the question. Is he your God? Is he your Savior? Do you believe that he is 100% God and 100% Savior? How many of you believe that? Can you affirm by saying, I do? Amen. Now, today I want to talk about something a little different about Jesus. Although he's 100% God, 100% Savior, he is 100% human. He's 100%. Some see Jesus as some unrelatable deity out there somewhere in the cosmos, in some far out galaxy that is totally disconnected from humanity, that he hasn't a clue of what's going on in the world today. How many of you know that's not the God that we serve? Just as Jesus was 100% God, he was also 100% human. The Bible says in Colossians 2.9, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So Jesus is both divine and human in nature at the same time. Jesus is both God and man. At the same time, Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. He is God man. Think of it. Jesus spent his first 30 years living a human life. He was a son. He was just a normal human being. Before he began his ministry, he was eating, he was drinking, he was sleeping. He was doing the things that every normal human being does. The Bible gives us many examples of his humanity. The Bible tells us that Jesus had emotions. And remember when um, when Mary and Lazarus had lost their son or their brother, when Mary and Martha lost their, their brother Lazarus, and they called for Jesus. And remember whenever he got there, he was moved with the with the grief that they were going through. Remember that? And the Bible says in John 11, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? They asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus was emotionally moved at Mary and Martha's loss. He was troubled with their emotional turmoil. That sounds pretty, pretty in touch, doesn't it? And so although Jesus was the Messiah, he was also in touch with his emotions. 
His humanity allowed him to experience and display emotions just like any other human being. The Bible also tells us that Jesus had physical needs. The scripture records that Jesus got physically tired. In John 4, 37, so he left Judea and returned to Galilee. You know, whenever Jesus was doing his ministry, they didn't have, you know, uh, F-150s. Right. And so they did the ministry by mule, by horse or by. By foot. Verse four, he had to go through Samaria on the way. And eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus tired from the long walk. He sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Now, I want you to see something. That Jesus, the Bible says, got physically tired, weary, and no doubt thirsty because he was at a well. Why? From the long walk. He was on a long walk. He had physically, he had physically exhausted himself. He had physical needs just like everybody else. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. And Jesus ate nothing all that time, and he became very hungry. Jesus got hungry. He got tired. He got weary. He got thirsty. And so although Jesus in his deity, he could raise the dead. He can open blind eyes. He still suffered from the, from the needs of humanity by getting tired and getting hungry and getting thirsty. Amen. The Bible tells us Jesus also struggled with his human will. You remember, uh, you remember everybody, every human being is a tripod being, which means we're spirit, soul, and body. We got a physical body. We have a soul and we have a spirit. And the Bible tells us about that. And our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotion. And our will is that part of us that struggles with the will of God. It struggles with surrendering to God. It struggles with obeying God, doing what God wants us to do. And we can see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, although he was deity, We can see him struggling with the will of the Father. We can see him agonizing whether he was going to do his will or do the Father's will. And the Bible tells us in Luke 22, he walked away about a stone's throw and he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. He knew the cross was coming. He knew death was was evident. And he was struggling with the fact that he was going to have to face this. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. In verse 43, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. See, his human flesh didn't want to suffer the agony of the cross. His humanity didn't want to be crucified. His humanity was just like our humanity. And so we can see that if anything else reveals the humanity of Jesus, we can see it here in the Garden of Gethsemane, that even though it, he, was, he was God, even though he was the Savior, when it came down to it and he knew he would have to get up on that cross, you know, some people think, well, he was Savior, so it was really no big deal. 
Well, the Bible tells us as you read the story of the, of the beating and the crucifixion that he felt the blows. He felt the rejection. He felt the punishment. He felt the, the, the terrible treatment that he faced. Amen. Why? Because he was human. Now, why is that so important? Why am I talking about that? Here's the reason why. So we can better understand and relate to who Jesus is. We need to know that he's human so we can understand that Jesus is not some God out in the galaxies that is disconnected with the needs of humanity. That he's, he's out of touch with the reality of what's going on in real life today. How many of you know he's, he's well aware of what we're going through? Amen? The God that you and I serve is a faithful, true friend who understands and helps us get through the difficulties of life. That's the Jesus we serve. Can I get an amen right there? Amen. And so God had a reason for allowing Jesus to experience humanity. Look at this verse in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then when he came before God as a high priest to get rid of people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself. All the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. This is called the theology of identification. Hebrews tells us that Jesus entered every detail of human life. He experienced all the pain. He experienced all the suffering of human life. You know, we might be able to tell each other that I don't understand. I can't relate. But you can't tell Jesus he doesn't understand or he can't relate. Because the Bible tells us that he was tested and experienced all things pertaining to life. And here's the reason why. So he could identify and help us when we were being tempted and we were being tested in life. You see, here's the bottom line. Jesus understands the struggles that you and I face in life. Jesus sympathizes. He understands. He understands. Mark 6, 3 says he understands the struggles of relationships. In Mark 6 and 3, isn't this the carpenter? Speaking of Jesus, isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. See, Jesus had a family. Jesus had a family. He had a mama. He had a daddy. As you see the early years of his life, remember, they were journeying and they were going to, you know, to, to the festival at, the, at a certain time of year. They lost him. They went looking for him. And so Jesus had, had siblings. The Bible says here he had, he had James, he had Joseph, he had Judas, he had Simon. He had four brothers, at least. And he had sisters, this verse tells us, which means more than one. It's plural. So he had at least six siblings. Now, how many of you know that if you're raising a family with at least six siblings, there's bound to be some times where there's some tension in the house. How many of you know six siblings in the same house? You're going to have some thraka. Amen. Come on. How many of you, how many of you can relate to that? But sometimes we see Jesus as a deity, but we fail to recognize that Jesus had a family. 
The Bible tells us that his own family didn't understand his purpose or his ministry. Listen what it says in Mark 3 and 20. One time Jesus entered a house and the crowds began to gather again. And soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. His ministry was flourishing. He was healing people. He was changing people's lives. He was so busy that he didn't have time to eat. And soon... He and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. Verse 21 says, when his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. And here was their explanation. Here was their view of their brother or their son or whatever. He's out of his mind, they said. Jesus can't be healing no blind eyes. There's no way this could be happening. Listen, we're going to take him somewhere. And get him away from people, okay? I mean, he must have, he must have hit his head. They thought he was bunkers. His own family didn't recognize our support, his purpose, and his calling in God. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to having sibling rivalry? Can you relate to having your siblings mistreat you in the family? So here's the point. If you're having relational problems right now, Jesus understands what you're going through. Because he had a family as well. If you're experiencing family tension right now, Jesus understands that as well. He knows what it's like to be supported by the family. And he knows what it's like to not be supported by the family. Listen. He knows what it's like to be single and all alone. Amen. He knows what it's like to have a best friend betray you and walk away from you. Jesus encountered relationships and all the issues that go along with relationships. Jesus also understands the normal struggles and pressures of life. Remember, Jesus was a carpenter, which means he had a job, which probably means he had to get up early in the morning by an alarm clock or something, you know? Whenever you think about Jesus, sometimes you don't think of him as maybe having calloused hands, splinters in his fingers, customers that are not satisfied with this thing that he just built, and they're Christian, and they come to look at the piece of furniture he made, and they treat him like he's got some kind of plague. I didn't order it with three drawers. I ordered it with two drawers. He dealt with the issues of life just like we have to deal with the issues of life. Come on, are y'all out there? I'm sure he had unhappy customers. I'm sure he had struggles. Remember, he had to pay taxes and follow the Roman rule. I'm sure he didn't like the way the government was taking his money away from his pocketbooks. Amen? And so the point being, Jesus had to deal with the normal struggles of life, just like you and I have to struggle with the normal struggles and the pressures of life. Listen, Hebrews 4.15, listen what it says. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Listen, we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize. You know what sympathize means? It means to feel what others are feeling. It means to have compassion on people that are struggling. And so Jesus, it's not like he can't feel what we're feeling or he don't understand what we're dealing with. We have a God, a Savior that's in touch with reality and knows what we're dealing with. Amen. Jesus understands 
what you're going through today. He understands. He understands the temptations we face. He understands the pressures we face. He understands the, the stresses of the responsibilities we carry. He understands the weaknesses that we struggle with in life. He understands. Jesus also understands pain. He understands pain. He understands emotional pain. Remember Isaiah 53.3 says, He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. He knows what it's like to experience rejection. Doesn't he? He knows what it's like. Think about the rejection. Think about the betrayal that he faced when he went to the cross. Remember, he had 12 good friends. Remember? That said they would even die for him. Where were they when he was crucified? They went fishing. I think that's rejection. He had one that gave him the kiss of betrayal. His own people were the ones that nailed him to the cross. His own people. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to be rejected by friends. He knows what it's like to be laughed at, made fun of. He knows what it's like to be bullied. He knows what it's like to be humiliated in front of others, embarrassed. Can you relate to that? You see, those of you that have been in abusive marriages, that have been in abusive homes, Jesus can relate to that. Those of you that have been abused behind closed doors, wherever nobody else knew the treatment that you went through, there's somebody that knows what you went through and can understand and sympathize with what you went through because he suffered the same thing. You know, yesterday in that in that wake, in that funeral, as you can imagine, they had a line of people. The wake was for two to four for two solid hours. There was just a line of people. There was just an outpouring of love. But there was also a lot of pain in that room. There was a lot, a lot of pain in that room. Words are so empty at times like that. But, you know, in the midst of all that, there's somebody that could totally relate. Jesus understands. He knows what it's like to suffer emotional pain. You know, I, I couldn't understand. I, I haven't lost a child. I know there's at least a few families in here right now that could relate to that. But Jesus understands what it's like to lose what's most valuable to you. Not only does he understand emotional pain, he understands physical pain as well. You, you might be suffering with chronic pain in your body right now. Well, Jesus understands that too. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 5, He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. And by His wounds we're healed. You know, that's the great news. Jesus entered the physical pain of the cross. He entered the emotional pain of the cross. Why? So he could bring relief to you and I in our physical pain and our emotional pain. He can identify with what we are going through. Amen. Jesus understands the struggles of life. Can I get a better witness this morning? 
Here's the reason God allowed Jesus to experience humanity. Jesus experienced humanity so he could help humanity. Let's look at the verse again. Hebrews 2.17. For this reason, Jesus had to be made like us, his brothers and sisters, in every way. He became like people so that he could be their merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. Then he could bring forgiveness for the people's sins. And now he can help. He can help those who are tempted. And he is able because he himself suffered and was tempted. So here's what we need to know. Jesus experienced humanity so he could help humanity. He's not some God out there in the cosmos, lost in the galaxy, that's out of touch with the needs and the reality of where people are. Amen. Jesus knows what's going on in people's lives. He knows what's happening in your heart. He knows what's happening in your life. He knows what's happening in your family. He knows everything about you. And the great beauty about Jesus is not only does he know, but he has full ability to help you get through what you're going through. Amen. That's the beauty about who Jesus is. How can you not love a Savior like that? How can you not want to worship a Savior like that? How can you not want to fall down at His feet and say, Worthy, worthy are you, Jesus. Amen. Now, two ways we can receive help from Jesus. There's two ways. Number one, through prayer, ask Jesus to help you. Ask Him to help you. Hebrews 7.25, listen to this. So Christ can save those who come to God Through him, Christ can do this forever because he always lives in some translations say and makes intercession. In the New Living Translation, it says he always lives and is ready to help people when they come before God. Jesus is the mediator. He's the go between. You know, where is Jesus right now? The Bible says he's at the right hand of the father and he's making intercession, which means he's praying on our behalf. He's asking God, the father, to help us make it through what we're going through. Amen. Since he already understands and knows about all our pains and struggles, why not ask him to help us? Why not ask him to help us? Now, listen. If your view of God is he's somewhere out there, untouchable, unrelatable, then why even talk to him about what you're going through? But if your view of God is that he is savior, but he totally, he totally gets, he totally understands, he can totally feel and comprehend and sympathize and have compassion for what you're going through. Why wouldn't you not turn to him and ask him to help you get through what you're going through? Amen. Talk to him and ask him, Jesus, I am struggling today and I need your help. How many of you know he hears our prayer and he will help us? Amen. And listen, don't pray some formal prayer. Don't pray no stale prayer. 
Open up your heart to God and let him know exactly what's going on in your life. Because by the way, he already knows what's going on. And he's not about to have a stroke. If you unload your baggage on him, he can take it. And he wants to take it from you. Just give it to him. Amen. Come on. Are y'all with me out there? Tell him about the temptations. Tell him about the disappointments. Tell him about the friend that walked out on you. Tell him about the weaknesses you have that you're struggling to get over. Tell him about your hurts and your pains and your losses. Let him know what's going on in your life and be sure that he's going to help you get through what you're going through. Amen. Amen? Hebrews 4.16 says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. If you want to receive God's grace, God's mercy, you know, mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And help. How many of you need help? God's full of mercy. He's full of grace. And he's full of help. You know what that tells me? That God is gracious enough to forgive me when I fall down, I trip up and I make mistakes and I can ask him to have mercy on me and, and help me to, 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 to be blessed and to live a successful life even though I've, I've made a bad choice. Amen. He's a God of mercy. How many of you know that's great to serve a God who's a God of mercy. Amen. That doesn't require me to blow myself up to please him, but he just has mercy for me. Amen. And he's a God of grace, which is sufficient that whenever I'm at my lowest point and I don't have the strength to put one foot in another in the front of the other, I can ask him, God, I'm about to collapse. I'm about to fall down. I can't take this any longer. Would you help me? He's a God of grace that can help me get through the most difficult times of life. Amen. And when I don't feel like I have just what it takes to deal with everything that I'm dealing with, I could say, God, could you come alongside of me here and just help me? And God comes along and helps us. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace. You know what that means? It means to come with full assurance and with great confidence. Listen, my daughter, I mean, she has the boldness to walk right into Tanya and I's house go right into the refrigerator, open it up, and take whatever she wants out of there. She makes herself at home. She has full assurance and she has full confidence that it's okay for her to come in the Father's house and get whatever she needs. And so therefore, she comes boldly into the house and gets what she needs. I'm trying to tell you today that you're Christ, you're Savior, you're God. He loves you and he wants you to come boldly into your Father's house and say, God, I need a little help today. And he's a compassionate, gracious, merciful God that wants you to come with full assurance that whenever you ask him to help you, he's going to help you. Amen. Listen, I am preaching myself happy today. Amen. Amen. Listen, the rain can't take my joy today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Wow. Matthew seven eleven. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who, those who ask you? How do you receive help from Jesus? Why did Jesus suffer 
being a human. I mean, why, why did he even deal with this world? Because he had to, he had to face everything that humans face. So we could know that when we're going through whatever we're going through in life, we're talking to our God. We can know that he can sympathize, he can feel, he can have compassion. And he can help us. Because he knows what it's like to get through everything in life. So why not ask him for help? Amen? And then finally, to get help from Jesus through faith, you have to ask Jesus to save you. I've learned a great secret in my relationship with Jesus is that help comes when I surrender to Jesus. The more I surrender, the more help comes. Have anybody else learned that? Whenever I tried to walk with Jesus on the fence, one foot in the world, one foot. Come on. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, I'll come on, I'll walk into church Sunday, but as soon as I'm like, whoop, foot in the world. I've learned that, man, whenever you just dive in and surrender to Jesus, that's where help comes from. That's where grace comes from. Don't, don't walk the fence. Man, that, that could be dangerous. Could be painful. Amen? Just dive in. Go all in. Amen? 100% in. This is what Jesus said. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Amen? I'm going to be glad that you're serving Jesus this morning. Would you stand with me and let's close in prayer? Let's just take a moment just to worship him before we go. Jesus understands. He understands relational struggles. Just close your eyes for just a moment. Just just. And just honor the Lord for just a second here. And just worship Him for just a second from your heart. You might have stuff going on in your family today. Some relational struggles. Can you invite Jesus to come in? You might be overwhelmed with life. Faced with some Strong temptation. Dealing with lots of responsibilities. Feeling overwhelmed. With the weight of life. Jesus understands life struggles and pressures. And the Bible reminds us the reason he went through what he went through is to help us where we are today. 
You might be suffering with emotional pain today. He's not lost in the galaxies. He's in this room today. He's a personal God. He's an intimate God. He's a best friend. He's here to be with you. He's here to help you. So if you're tired, you're worn out, you're burned out. Come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I'll help you. Come to me and I'll teach you how to walk in grace. Well, if you're here today and you say, Todd, I need some help. Just, just raise your hands. Just lift your hands before the Lord. And I just want to pray. You, you need grace right there where you are. You need strength right there where you are. Come on, just, just there you go. Just open up your heart. And I just want to pray. Remember that, that scripture we read in, in Numbers chapter 6? Pray over the people of God and bless them. And I will bless them. And I want, to, I want to pray God's blessing over you as you open up your heart. Come on, just surrender your heart. Just surrender your burdens, your, your, your problems to the Lord. Come on, He can help you get through the, the trial that you're going through right now. Father, I thank You, Lord, that Your grace is in this room. Come on, would you pray with me? Come on, let's pray and ask God to touch people's hearts, touch people's lives today. Father God, I pray right now, God, release your grace over your people, your sheep, God, your children, Father. Lord, come to their aid today. Lord, God, get in their boat with them today as they, Lord, as they're paddling in the storm of their life, Lord. God, I pray, speak to their storm. Calm the waves. Calm the sea. Lord, cause, Lord, the pressures of life to subside today. Jesus, you are Lord of the, Lord, the winds and the waves. And you are Lord over sickness and disease. You are Lord over all the, Lord, all the power of the enemy. God, you are Lord over all. And God, we pray today that you would release your grace over this congregation. Thank you, Lord, that the grace of God is being released right now over this house in a mighty way and in a powerful way. And that people are receiving, Lord, healing in their hearts. And they're receiving, receiving grace in their life today. Thank you, Lord. Their burden is getting lightened, Father. In Jesus' name, I thank you. And I praise you, Father God, that, Lord, you are causing your people to experience you today in a greater way than they ever had before. In Jesus' name. Now, if you would, just put your hands down for just a moment. And I want to just... Just uh, make, no, put your hands down. Just put your hands down for just a moment. And just just pray right now. I just want to give an invitation to those who maybe have not met Jesus in an intimate way. Because, you know, it's like, you know, Satan don't mind you getting so close to Christianity just as long as you don't get the bug. And just as long as you don't get the real deal. You know, he's the, he's the master of counterfeits. And he'll give you a fake dollar bill so that you don't get the real dollar bill. And he'll give us a whole lot of religion, trying, hoping that we don't get the real thing. But how, how many of you know that there is a real thing? Amen. There is a real, there is the real Christian, the real experience with Jesus. And you might be here today, never experienced Jesus as your savior. 
Man, I know exactly what's that like. I, I mean, I've prayed almost every day. I went to church on a regular basis. I, I learned all about the virgin birth, the crucifixion, the resurrection. I knew about the disciples. I knew a lot about the things of God, but I didn't know him personally. But man, the day I met him was the day things happened for me. The day things changed for me. The Bible says when you become a Christian, the veil is taken off your eyes. And all of a sudden, it's like the light comes on. And you can see what you didn't see before. So now with everybody's head bowed, I want to give you a chance this morning. If you don't know for sure, you're not sure that you have the real thing, that you have a personal relationship with Jesus, I want to give you a chance to receive Him today. If that's you today... Would you just raise your hand and say, Todd, pray for me. I don't want to get the counterfeit. I want the real thing. Would you do me a favor and pray this prayer from your heart and say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and that I've broken your laws, but I'm sorry. Lord Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me of all my faults, of all my sins? I'm sorry. Jesus, I want to know you personally. I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. Now do me a favor and just lift your hands. Just lift your hands like this and close your eyes and say, Jesus, just lift your eyes towards heaven and say, Jesus, I need your help. Would you help me? Thank you, Lord, for touching me today. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, before we go, Let's pray for sunshine. Do y'all believe the sun can shine even in a dark, cloudy day? Amen. Hey, how many of you know right on the other side of those clouds is the sun? Amen. And how many of you know we can still have a bone tone whether it's raining or not, right? But uh, you know what? I'm believing that people are going to come for this next service, even though it's raining, and they're going to give their lives to Christ. Amen. Come on, y'all joining with me? Y'all believing with me? Come on. How many of you believe despite... Come on, how many of you believe the Lord can walk on water? He can save to the uttermost. Amen. Father, thank you for releasing grace over this property today. God, we've done our best to prepare a party for the world to come to, to the community to come to. And God, we're asking, Lord, that you would bless our efforts, God, to reach the lost, to reach those that don't know you yet personally. And God, we're asking today that, God, you would part the skies and then you would, Lord, supernaturally dry up the ground and that, God, you would just give us the opportunity to continue, Lord, with our bon ton today. Thank you, God, for being gracious to us and allowing us to continue to build your kingdom with your favor and your grace. Thank you, Lord, that hearts are being opened even now. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. And everybody that agreed said, amen, amen. Amen.